Hey, it's Mike Gill from Believe in Eagles. Don't forget, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the Believe in Eagles podcast. And make sure you check back to the Believe in Eagles feed each and every day for the very best on the Eagles. Here's today's conversation. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! One, two, I haven't taken a position on that one. I think, um, you know, the last year the committee had a lot of different views on that. But, you know, I want to hear that again this year. I want to hear uh, how people feel about it. I, I think we want to look at, is there enough data to talk about the safety of it? Let the committee do their work. I'll be able to participate in that, and I'm sure we'll have a position by March. That's Roger Goodell's thoughts on the touch push which might be a big factor for the Eagles if they want to make a deep run into the playoffs. It seems that it's one play that teams can't figure out how to stop for the Eagles. The rest of their offense, eh, it's been a little predictable, says somebody in that locker room, maybe. We'll see what's going on with the Eagles at the Novacare Complex. John McMullen, Birds 365, weekday mornings at 8 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, joins us now. John, let's start with that. With uh, I mean, the fact that this play has become such a topic of conversation that the uh, commissioner has to comment on it. Uh, where do we think that play will ultimately end up? Um, I ultimately think it will be uh, banned at, at some point, whether it's this off season or or down the road a little bit. And typical with most NFL rules, will couch it in the safety of the game. But uh, honestly, I don't think it really matters for the Eagles, at least as long as Jalen Hurts is here and, and Jason Kelsey, because, you know, people forget how good they were on the quarterback sneak with Carson Wentz. I, I mean, at one point there were 35 to 37 uh, with a normal quarterback sneak with Carson Wentz. So I think they're going to be effective with that either way. Uh, John, obviously uh, a lot going on with the Eagles, and um, they changed their practice schedule today. I got the text uh, letting me know uh, that they're changing things. What was the reason behind them kind of uh, shaking some things up today? Uh, Nick Sirianni said technique and fundamentals. It's clearly about uh, some of the younger players who are struggling uh, a little bit or even some of the newer players who haven't been here for uh, a while. Um, and yeah, it's a tacit admission that there's some issues, obviously. So, um, and I guess it can't hurt. It was more like a Friday practice, though. It wasn't a full blown, um, typical Wednesday practice at the start of the season. Um, so still a little bit scaled back, but they did have pads on. I think it was more in an effort to send a message that, you know, maybe some things as you get late in the season are starting to slip a little bit. You want to tighten up on it. Uh, all right. So maybe sending a message here. Uh, what is the vibe around this team coming into this Seahawks week? I mean, do you feel that there's a heightened sense of, man, we've lost two in a row and there's starting to be a little pressure on us or does it not feel that way? 
Um, I don't know if it feels that way to the players. I think, you know, everybody's a little bit on edge because it's Philadelphia. And, you know, one loss is a, a, a catastrophe. So two losses in a row is, you know, burn down the fences, you know, uh, fire the coordinators. Uh, they they hear all that. So um, they know what the expectations are and, um they certainly haven't lived up to their own expectations uh, and they want to stop that as quickly as possible because they also know what the easiest route is uh, to the Super Bowl and they've already lost the upper hand when it comes to the number one seed. So um, the margin of error is small and it might not even exist if San Francisco wins out. So you need some help at this point. They do have an easier schedule than Dallas when it comes to winning the NFC East, but you know they still want to get that number one seed. And if they win out, um, that puts a lot of pressure on San Francisco. John McBowen, uh, Birch three sixty five with us here. Um, all right, so the offense, a lot of talk this week. We talked a little bit about it earlier in the week. You know, hey, maybe too predictable. Uh, what is your take on motion in the offense? I know Nick was asked about that. Um, is, is that a big deal, I, or is that something that just fans like to say, well, they don't have motion to make it sound like they have something that they know? Well, I, I think it's both. I think, you know, they, they motion very rarely. They're 32nd in the league, so there's um, a little bit of contradiction in Nick's words. Um, you know, he doesn't believe in motioning for motioning's sake, as, as he talks about all the time. Uh, but he also will say at other times, you never want to be bottom five in anything in the NFL, and he's bottom one. You know, nobody does it less than the Eagles. So uh, there's a little uh, contradiction there. But, yeah, as far as, you know, others saying, well, you need the motion. I mean, what? Well, why? You know, I would be my first question. Uh, what are you trying to accomplish? And that's what Nick sort of intimates. Now at times it works to walk off play when they won in overtime was the direct result of motion. You know, three players went towards DeAndre Swift and, and a wide open lane for Jalen Hurts and, and the quarterback draw. So it, it can help if you talk to coaches like Sean McVay and, and, and guys who use it a lot. You know, he calls it the illusion of complexity. Um <laughs> So what you're trying to do is is fool the defense. Um, and you could argue the Eagles should use a little bit more of it. But, you know, they had a really good offense for, um, you know, the 31 previous weeks. Um, didn't all of a sudden get bad overnight because they don't motion. They haven't motioned that entire time. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I guess, and, and I get your point, and I'm, I'm pretty much on board. Nobody's complaining when A.J. Brown has 125 yards six games in a row. We're all celebrating about how good he is. But I guess the question that can come from that is, if you're running a offense in that form over and over and over and over, does eventually people start to catch on to it and say, okay, I get what they're doing. We've now figured it out. Or does that not jive? No, I, I mean somewhat, but I, you know, the same thing with defenses and, and the fact that uh, a lot of teams use the Fangio scheme. So I've been talking about that. So once 
you saw the same thing happen with Tony Dungy, Pete Carroll. You know, as more teams copied, it became easier for corners. Then you have to adjust. I, I do think it's fair to point out the Eagles need to evolve a little bit uh, as teams sort of catch up to what they're they're doing. Um, but um, how much of that is is that, and how much of it is, you know. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith had bad games, which yeah. they typically don't have. So, you know, in that Dallas game specifically, you got Devontae dropping a touchdown that he usually catches. You got A.J. dropping a football for three-yard line he usually catches. They both fumble in Dallas territory. But that doesn't have anything to do with motion. So it, it's kind of I, – I think it's a convenient excuse after the fact in a bad game. I want to get your um, take on this, John. Um, you're seeing teams, San Francisco, Dallas, go back to kind of a 90s-style West Coast offense. Um, teams like Philadelphia, oddly Andy Reid, who's kind of the direct line to the West Coast offense. Kansas City, Philadelphia, they run these spread offenses, the college style. Are we starting to see the league kind of re-go back to it like, hey, your defense is doing this to try to combat these spread offenses, so we're going to go back to doing 90s style of football. Do you think we're kind of watching the league make a move right before our very eyes here? Well, I, I think there is partially there's always a pendulum effect. So somebody does something and, and, and the pendulum is going to come back eventually if, if a bunch of people start doing it. Um, and, and you've seen it many times in the past, whether it was, you know, the run and shoot back in the day. A lot of people had trouble with that, and then they adjusted, and you had to move away. And the Wildcat was all the rage for uh, a year, and, and people started to figure it out. And, and RPOs were very, very difficult. I'll never forget that NFC uh, uh, playoff game with uh, Green Bay and, and, and uh, Clay Matthews looking lost against Colin Kaepernick in the 49ers. Um, and there were a lot of lost defenses when they started unveiling uh, RPOs with the so-called plus one in the running game. And defenses have gotten a lot better at it o- over the years. Um, so there's always that. Um, but I, I think when it comes to offensive schemes, and it, it's dependent upon uh, the coach and his willingness to adapt and the quarterback. What does the quarterback do well? You know, if if you have a, a quarterback like Jalen Hurts and you're running a, a West Coast offense, you're probably doing a disservice to the quarterback and, and the team. And if you're got a quarterback like Brock Purdy and you're running an RPO scheme, you're probably doing a disservice to him. So it's kind of dependent on, on the personnel. Now I pointed to Kevin O'Connell a lot and and because of the injury and the early sort of almost storybook uh, play of Josh Dobbs, which quickly regressed and it regressed because he was running the same offense. He was running the Kirk Cousins offense with Josh Dobbs. And if you're going to do that, you, you might as well play Nick Mullins, and that's the way they've gone. So it's it's all sort of dependent on what your your quarterback is good at. You see Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid's not going to pound that. After it was at Texas Tech and what he's good at, he, he's not going to force him to go from 
one progression to progression five and dump the ball off to the running back. It doesn't make sense. So good coaches sort of adapt around the talent they have at the, the most important position. All right, John, uh, let's dive into a little bit about this uh, Seattle team in this matchup here. They've lost four in a row. They haven't lost five in a row uh, with uh, Pete Carroll. The Eagles haven't beaten Seattle since 2008. Seneca Wallace against Donovan McNabb, uh, the quarterbacks of that game. Things have changed a bunch here, but uh, Philly has had problems, and it's going on the road. So to you, uh, is this a game where Philadelphia, you know, is in trouble? Well, I, I mean, it's a difficult place to play. It's always a difficult place to play. Um, number one, uh, right there with Arrowhead is probably the, the top um, outdoor noise stadiums in the NFL. So, um, But they managed to go to Arrowhead and win. So um, I, I don't, you know, and I remember Nick talking about this with Arizona last year uh, when the Eagles had lost, I, I forget the number, it was six or seven consecutive in Arizona. And he said, you know, what does that, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with AJ Brown? They weren't involved in it. He used AJ specifically for some reason, but you get the point. He's, you know, it doesn't, you, you just mentioned Seneca Wallace and Donovan McNabb. Well, what does that have to do with the current teams? Generally Seattle had a, a very good run, uh, through the, the Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll era, um, you know, won the Super Bowl, probably should have won two. So a, a lot of games, they were really good in that uh, equation. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I don't think that has much to do with who's going to win uh, on Monday night. But um, other than it's a very difficult place to play, but Seattle isn't as good as they have had, have been in the past when – they were at their height with with Russell and, and Pete Carroll. Uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, another team that has really good weapons, Kenneth Walker. I mean, they've got a good back. Uh, Charbonneau, you know, they, they, they've got a pretty good complement of skill position players. I mean, if you look at that matchup and see what the, the Sixers, the Eagles secondary has been uh, the last couple of weeks, I mean, should this be a, a, a matchup that worries people? A little bit. It's, it's, it's the same thing all season. It's not going to stop at this stage in week 15. I, I mean, you know, part of the problem is the defensive front hasn't, they haven't been bad, but they haven't been as good as expected. And they have to be good uh, to make up for some of the deficiencies on the back end. So if you can look in the crystal ball and say they're not going to get home and they're not going to affect uh, Geno Smith or Drew Locke or whoever's playing quarterback, um, then, yeah, they're going to have troubles with D.K. Metcalf and, and, and Lockett and, and uh, uh, even the rookie in uh, uh, Jigba. So, you know, they're, they're going to have a difficult time with those guys. So um, it, it's really up to Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and, and, and company and Fletcher and Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, et cetera, et cetera. And they need to start playing up to what the expectations were. And when they get home, the Eagles are better on defense. They haven't been getting home. Maybe, you know, Seattle, it's, it's sort of an evergreen comment when you're talking about Seattle. 
They got a bad offensive line. Seems like they always have a bad offensive line. At times, Jason Peters has been forced to play at, at 42 years old. So um, they need to take advantage of that matchup because if they don't, yeah, DK and company's probably going to gouge them. Yeah, there, there's the matchup there. And I guess, UK, you would hear the fantasy football mind out there say, DK, Lockett, and Jigba, uh, Walker, they've got great skill position players. But generally when the Eagles get you is in the trenches and their front four, five, whatever they're sending, is this a game where Seattle, because Seattle has historically been a dreadful offensive line. So do you think this is a, a week where the Eagles' pass rush should get back on track? It should be, but, you know, the San Francisco week should have been that as well, and it wasn't, uh, you know, except for Trent Williams. Uh, San Francisco, that's the weakness of their team. Um, and the Eagles weren't able to take advantage of it. Now, you know, Purdy is a, is a it's strange to say because, you know, he's only a second-year player, but he seems to have that innate ability to process pretty quickly. Uh, and that's not necessarily the strength of Geno Smith or Drew Locke. So in theory, they should give you more opportunities to get home. Um, and they like to go down the field uh, a little bit more with uh, DK's big play ability. So um, they should have some opportunities. And, yeah, they need to <laughs> need to start playing like they were playing for the first Six, seven, eight games of the season. Uh, Monday night, Eagles, Seahawks. Of course, uh, it has not been a kind stretch of games against Seattle. A couple seventeen to nines in there. Uh, a playoff game, the playoff game, right? Carson they Wentz, <laughs> knocked, out, knocked out Carson Wentz. Those are Josh a couple. McCown of... played that in almost that entire game with a torn hamstring, and he that's, almost won it. That's remember uh, Josh. I remember. I'm old enough to remember Josh McNall being a hot head coaching candidate. Yeah, yeah. Houston almost hired him. Yeah, he <laughs> he's, almost did. He's almost since hired been hired and, as an assistant and fired. I mean, it's funny how the cycles in this in the yeah. NFL go. Uh, John McMullen, you can hear him on Birds 365 weekday mornings at 8 a.m. on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. All right, buddy. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. That's John McMullen, everybody. Thanks for listening to Believe in Eagles right here on the Believe Network. Don't forget. Like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast feed for the very best in Eagles coverage right here on the Believe in Eagles Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.